Before we begin, I want to say that I'll be sharing opinions and observations for the sake of creating conversation rather than preaching a truth. My purpose is to find the questions that will help set us free in our own way. If something I say hits you that you like, great. And if something hits you that you don't like, even better. Sit with it, reflect on it, and seek your own truth. In a world where it takes courage to have a point of view, my aim is to create a grounded space to observe, reflect, and challenge respectfully. I started this podcast as a way to document the journey and as a living reflection point to my future children. My hope is that they'll be proud of a name that their father completely reshaped and gave new meaning. Powerful is the man or woman who can dance with their shadow and emerge with their heart wide open to the light. Welcome to the Connection Point Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Delaney. Today, we're going to talk about how to embrace your inner imposter, or what we refer to as the archetype of the shadow. This will open up a whole new world of possibility and catalyze a unique gift we have to embrace our humanity. We always start off with a guiding intention. So my guiding intention today is to support you in uncovering one of the greatest gifts of connection, the shadow. This is a process that will transform your ability to understand the connection point between our innate desire to connect and our ability to embrace our humanity. It's going to create an incredible sense of freedom and create a powerful understanding of what it means to build an embodied brand and to lead your life and business with total, uh, total clarity and grounded confidence. And as always, before we begin, I want you to take a second and breathe into your intention in this very moment. When we talk about intention, we talk about where's your attention going? Where's your energy flowing? And what does the experience of this day feel like when you put your head on the pillow? So even if you're listening to a recording or you're listening to this live, what is your intention for today? If we can learn how to participate in the day, we can learn how to create, even just for a moment, then we've sent a powerful, powerful signal to the universe, to all of humanity. Take a minute with that for just a second. All right, let's dive in. So we start every episode with a powerful question. Powerful question for today is, what are you going to do when they find out? This is a question I ask clients, a question I ask folks who are looking for clarity. And as always, these simple questions are fully loaded. They can go as deep as you want or as shallow as you'd like. And of course, the follow-up question always is, who are they and what do you mean they're going to find out? And I always push back on the same thing, which is just go back to the question. What do you think? These questions are deep, nuanced, but also provide a tremendous amount of direction. And of course, when we talk about what are we going to do, what are we going to do when they find out, it really errs on the side of this experience, which is we tend to hold back so much for fear of being disconnected from our communities, from the people that we care about, and potentially the damage to our businesses, our reputation, all kinds of things. So this question is going to really dive deep into the possibility of personal freedom. But as always, when we talk about embracing the imposter, what we're talking about is this whole fad, this whole conversation on the idea of imposter syndrome. So let's talk about the definition of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. This is all despite external evidence of their competence, and those experiencing this phenomenon remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve all that they have achieved. Think about this for a second. We wake up daily with the external understanding that we are who we say we are, but yet we still see a disconnect between what we're putting forth and what our actual experience is. I want to talk about this a little bit and how I like to embrace imposter syndrome as a powerful way to actually 
accept the facts that we are imposters almost every single conscious aware uh, moment that we have because the reality is we're shifting and changing almost every single second of the day. It's impossible not to change. And we're just reconciling what this all looks like. But let's talk about where this might come from. And again, as always, I always share my opinions and kind of observations. And I share, I share this. I'm only an expert in my experience of life. And so I'll dive into this. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I am just an obsessively guided individual seeking understanding in this world. So let's talk about a couple of different reasons why imposter syndrome might show up. But first and foremost, what I've observed is we live in a world of external validation. It starts from a very young age where we gain affection, attention, and all the value in our lives externally. We have no concept of what it means internally yet. We're born, we're full subconscious. We don't really have the sense-driven mind yet. And we're working through this entire thing. And before we're eight years old, in most studies, they say that we understand things and concepts such as life and death. We understand uh, intimacy. We understand power dynamics. We understand so much about our world before we're even old enough to rationally understand what death really means. Then we go through our lives and we go to school. We go to school, which is, by the way, I think amazing. I think a lot of people tend to create school as if it's this nefarious scheme. But school gives us concepts and understanding of how we get grades. We compete for the grades. We work to our potential. We have all these standardized tests. And typically how you do in school in that stage of life determines your outcomes. And in many cases, especially for me, and I'll share a personal story in just a little bit, it really is the driving catalyst for whether or not your life is going to turn out the way it should be the way it should be, right? So if you go to school and get good grades, then guess what can happen? Well, you can graduate and go get a great job. And in these jobs, we're also fighting, vying, promotion, looking to find our validation through the titles, the salaries, and all these various things that happen in, in a job. Jobs are great. They provide us a means, an income. All different things can happen in a job. And then, of course, there's also the communities that we're involved in. And these things can happen at scale in so many different ways. We're involved in communities as little as just our personal relationships, all the way out to including, obviously, the countries we live in, the parts of the world we live in, the norms, all these different cultural things. And so in order for us to find our place, we have learned very early on how to interact with our environment. And so I find that typically there is a relationship between two forces in polarity to one another, intention between circumstance and information. If our circumstances shift in some way, shape, or form, the information we have access to might change. And then from there, it can begin to either go up or down in terms of our circumstances, spiral up or down. If the information comes in, like maybe you got this podcast and we sent it to you or something else is like a catalyst, kind of a knock on the door, then that might change your circumstance if you decide to do something with it. But either way, circumstance and information play a powerful role in our experience of life. And so as we learn to stay lockstep with these communities, with the performance of things, then we are living in harmony or coherence. It's the dissonance that creates the unease. It creates the anxiety. It creates um, a lot of challenges for us. So that's what I think about when I think about the first thing, which is external validation. The second part of this is what Carl Jung called the shadow or the archetype of the shadow. When you think about an archetype, archetypes are these powerful, enduring, um, uh, sentiments or patterns that we see. So if you've ever watched a Marvel movie, Marvel movie, or you've listened to uh, any of the myths in mythology, you're listening to a lot of archetypes, archetype of the king, archetype of the queen. We go into animus and anima, there's all different kinds of things, but the shadow, the shadow is a part of us that is the unconscious desire, primal needs, and all of the, the motivations that we have that are part of all of us. 
we all have this capability. And if we were to project our consciousness, no matter who you are and what you do, if we were to project our consciousness on a screen for everybody to see, you know, it's been said that we would all take a look at it, be horrified for about 48 hours, and then we'd get over it and move on. So there's these parts of us that the shadow begins to relay about our experiences that we all have and our drives that we need to understand. So the shadow is a huge part of this. And that's what I want to talk about today is actually humanizing and helping us understand how to embrace and integrate shadow. The third thing is our fear of the unknown and the possibility of being found out. This is massive, right? What if we get found out that we're not as perfect as we say that we are? What if we get found out and get broken down on the pedestal? Because for many of us, we have this sense of perfection and drive because we learned very early on that the conditioned response of our performance was love that the conditioned response of, of our performance was our responsibility. You know, for me growing up, taking care of my mom, as I mentioned in a previous episode with breast cancer and, and really being there for her was something that I unconsciously took on because I didn't know any differently. That's how I chose my role. And so I think it's important for us to know that we have such a deep fear of uncertainty in our lives. But the big thing is, is that it was acculturated in us for such a long time because as humans told stories through generations, through years, through millennia, the shadow represented the uncertainty. And we'd stay away from it completely, whether it was colonial times in which all the fires were put out, you looked out in the woods and it was just deep and dark. We had no idea what was out there. Maybe the big bad wolf, maybe the witches, all these things played a huge role in our experience. And so the shadow was completely separated away from us. It was the uncomfortable, it was the fearful, and it was the intense. You know, Rumi had a quote, and he said, in order to know God, you must have been a heretic first. And there's an idea that if you're an artist, a creative, or somebody with a, a big vision in your mind, when you choose your gift, and you symbolically shift and separate away from what the masses are doing, then you are, in effect, going into your own shadow. You are willingly accepting the fact that you are going against, as I mentioned before, all the cultural and community norms, and you, in effect, are in the shadow. And because of this deep drive within us, this split in, in what we experience, well, we are now completely rejecting a part of us and then going into shadow in others' minds. And then we get that feedback loop from our communities, which is why, especially for newer entrepreneurs or folks who decide to leave the corporate world or go on their own journey, they go through this experience of a little bit of pain because the relationships shift, everything changes. And we struggle with that because it's never about us. It's not personal. It really is a reflection of the person who's giving you their sense of minimization or their response to everything. And this can be a painful process, but it's quite normal. And then the final thing I wanna share is this, is an idea I ran across uh, in the book, The Big Leap by Dr. Gay Hendricks. If you've never read it, totally fine, I'll, I'll give you a summary real quick. But Dr. Gay Hendricks is a psychologist who studied the idea of what he calls the upper limit problem. Uh, this book also talks about the idea of the zone of genius, and how we can choose between two things, our zone of excellence and our zone of genius. And how we typically choose to live in our zone of uh, excellence, which is where we produce the best for the greatest effect, mostly for the marketplace, where we live our careers. But our zone of genius is really our unique purpose and our unique gifting that typically is something that, that we've learned at a very young age. And he talks about this, and I think it's super important in that he talks about the idea of integrity which is gonna be a big part of our discussion today. And in integrity, he talks about, it's not a morality problem. 
morality and, and integrity is not about should or shouldn't. It's a physics problem of is or isn't. You're either in accordance or you're not in accordance with what your values and your vision is or your zone of genius. So what happens is, is that when we come to this precipice of our zone of excellence and we lean into our zone of genius, we have this upper limit challenge, which is an unconscious kind of self-sabotage that we go through. And in the self-sabotage, what will end up happening in our lives will be, will be these seemingly disconnected events, whether it's your health, you get sick, something happens, maybe you have a big speech coming up and you're stepping into your zone of genius and your throat you know, closes up or your voice goes out. The next thing is conflict in relationships. Everything's going so well, I got to create and stir some shit up, maybe with my significant other or people in my life. And so you create conflict. And then it can also happen in finances. We start making bad decisions. We were making great decisions and all of a sudden we decide to self-sabotage ourselves. And so when it comes to our lives, business and brands, it's really interesting to think about how oftentimes we meet folks who are in a place where they are at a point where they capped out. And they think it's going to be a strategy. They think it's going to be another marketing strategy, a new, a new brand iteration, when really it's time for us to answer that question. What are they going to find out if they dig deep? What are they going to find out from you? Because if we can continue playing at the smaller level, there's less at risk. So this is all about embracing the sense of uncertainty. For me, just really quickly to share this story, to, to bring all four of these, these concepts, the, the idea of external validation, the shadow, the fear of the unknown, and then the upper limit problem. When I was leaving the corporate world back in 2016, as I mentioned before, I was 31 years old. At that point in time, I'd been a college dropout four different times, not because I didn't get great grades, but because really life happens. And at that stage in 2004, when I went into college, it was known that if you didn't go to college, then your career was pretty essentially over, right? There's nothing you could do. You need to have a degree. That's the world I came from. And then the school you went to dictated the outcome. So imagine, you know, 2016, here I am at 31 years old, going through a divorce, leaving the Fortune 500 space, leaving the career, the title, all that stuff behind. And then also the other piece of it that I mentioned is in the first episode, I was at a point in time in my life in which I was so fearful of people finding out about my past because I had compartmentalized so much grief, fear, anxiousness, all this stuff that I'd basically compartmentalized, put in a nice tidy box. Because for me, the careers I chose, the one that paid the most were service industry and hospitality. And so imagine you can't really make good money or tips if you're out there just dumping your trauma on people. It's not gonna work. So I learned how to do what many people do and many high performers do, which is put it in a nice box, shove it away in the corner, and then show up, smile, and nod. The challenge is I never learned how to open up that box and deal with what was inside. So my greatest fear, if you had met me at 31 years old before I quit my job, was the fear of being found out, having all this unsurface and unearth, being looked at as a shitty human being, and completely having everything that I worked my ass off for completely fall apart. I was worried about what people in my job would have thought, people in my life would have thought, because all these experiences I didn't think were righteous. I didn't think that they were clean, so to speak. And so at that moment in time, what was happening was I was fearful of losing my position in my community. I was fearful of losing the relationships that I had. And I was also fearful of what my future would hold because I thought my life at that time would have literally been over with. It wasn't until after I left that job and I was forced really in life circumstances, as we talked about circumstance and information, that all of a sudden after going through my divorce and the second day after leaving my job and having all this immense time and I didn't have anything to do with that time, that I was, I was literally looking at myself in the mirror and had to look at this idea of these things that occurred to me in my life, 
remember the three parts of the story. Your story happens to you first, you learn from your story, and then you learn how life happened for you. And it wasn't until I had to take that sobering look at my life and understand how I showed up in that life and the decisions that I chose, and the lessons that I learned, that I had my first interaction with what we call the shadow. They call it the dark night of the soul. It's really the reconciliation of all parts of us, the things that we are capable of doing and being able to embrace and accept it when most times we try to separate, judge, and remove ourselves away from it. And so in that work, it was me literally looking at these parts of my life over the next couple of months while I had this time in 2016, where I came to grips with the decisions that I chose and began to forgive myself for the experiences that took place, to be able to see the decisions that I made, to be able to understand them, and to hold myself accountable rather than trying to escape them and to try to understand if these things had happened before, this is what I'm capable of doing. How can I begin to really think about the future and how can I begin to understand that I can be intentional at the time I didn't know what this word meant, but to prevent these things from happening. Prime example, I told a lot of white lies in my life, ton of white lies. And when Dr. Hendricks talks about this idea of genius, he says, there is one skill that you learn as a child early on that allowed you to receive love in an adult world. You learn this skill and it allowed you to navigate adult spaces and it allowed you to receive love in the way that you need to receive it. For me, it was those white lies because as a child, I saw so many things that adults were doing and I knew that they weren't in integrity. They is or isn't. I could feel it. I could see it. But of course, my voice wasn't heard because I was a child. Many of us go through that. But of course, with my mom being sick, the biggest thing for her was the sense of detachment or the fear of death. And so I learned how to tell the white lie to keep everything peaceful, to keep everything copacetic. What that did for me as a, as a child growing up was that I was able to compartmentalize a whole part of my life going into high school. And nobody knew about the things that were going on at home with my mom being sick because on the outside, I was able to tell incredible stories stories of being popular. People just didn't know anything. They didn't know who I was hanging out with, what was going on, but allowed me to live a life in which people didn't pry or get into. But going into an adult space, that doesn't really serve you that well. What ends up happening is you don't really have connected relationships. And so I learned about manipulation from my family. I learned manipulation from so many things. Now, we talked about this before, but the difference between manipulation and influence is separated by that idea of intention. And it wasn't until I began to do this work five years ago, six years ago, where I began to confront these ideas of what had happened to me to now what had happened for me, that I began to realize that what this gave me the gift of was, was to understand that I could influence human behavior and I could understand how to really observe deeply people's interactions, the way people communicated, the way that people said one thing, but their tonality, all these things were separate. Some people would call that NLP. I had no idea what NLP was, but it was the direct observation because I was so clued in to the fact that people would say one thing, but their body would say something else. Their energy, I didn't know at the time, would give me something totally different. So it's important for us to know the difference here. And it's important for us to know that there's this aspect of our shadow, the pieces of us that we separate ourselves from that are our greatest gift. And we're going to talk about how to do this work in, in, in a little bit. But then there's the fear of the unknown. Right? The fear of the unknown for me was I had no idea what the rest of my life looked like. And the interesting thing is, is that our life is uncertainty all the time. It's our greatest gifts and our greatest downfall as humanity 
that our biggest thing here is that we want to organize life in such a way that everything's in harmony. We spend most of our days, most of our lives trying to organize life in a way that doesn't create dissonance. So we don't have that anxiety. We don't have that fear. When the nature of everything is uncertainty, that's what gives us spontaneity, adventure. It gives us all the things that we actually desire. But heaven forbid it happens, we get frustrated, we get upset because we're so focused and externally validated by the outcome versus enjoying the journey. So it really is about enjoying the journey and understanding how to handle uncertainty, which is how you create freedom for yourself. And then the final thing for me was when I had left that job and I was trying to figure what things looked like, my first inclination was to do exactly what I knew to do, which was to go look for another job in sales or whatever it was that I could do, which was going to keep me stuck in my upper limit problem again. That real precipice of do I go back to what the world expects from me, what I've acculturated myself to expect, or do I step deeply into the unknown? Because my greatest idea was I have a heart of compassion and a deep experience of life. And I believe that I can support and help people, but I just didn't know how. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what career to choose because my guidance counselor in school never taught me that. I didn't know what books to read. I had no clue at that point in time. But what I did know was that if I wanted something different, I had to choose differently from my past. And the only way for me to do that was to know my past, which is why in the last episode, we talked about your story being your gift and being inspired to really begin to look at my life and the milestones, the events that took place. That's why all these things fit together. So the question here is, what are you going to do when they find out? What would we find out? So as we, as we dive into this idea of what it means to find out, let's figure out how we can not only create freedom for ourselves and make a promise right here and right now, if you're going to do this work, that you have to be radically honest with yourself. As we talked about before, the connection point between us and other people can be found in the idea of the law of correspondence, which is so within, so without, as above, so below. We see in others what is reflected back to us. And in relationship, shadow is reflected back to us because we can't see into our own shadow. It's very difficult for us to see. But I found incredible freedom in the understanding that I create my experience through integrating this idea of personal freedom through expression. And I made a promise to myself that I'll ask you to make a promise to yourself as well, which is I made the promise as somebody who couldn't control the automatic behavior of white lying for much of my life to allowing myself to express exactly what came in my head out my mouth as soon as possible, that I would never try to perception manage as much as possible. That was a very clunky and very difficult experience. I'm going to tell you right now, because there's going to be a nuanced discussion here. You know, people talk about expression. They talk about, I just want to be expressed. It's one thing to be expressed and to tell the truth with radical honesty and another thing to shit on people. So we're not looking to do that. Trust me. That's not the goal here. Our goal here is to reconcile our personal story first. Listen, if, if brand and business is not a thing for you, it's totally fine. This is about you feeling the freedom of knowing that you are reconciling and integrating parts of you to become whole again. And in life and, or brand and business, the power of this is that you showed up in such an embodied way that you can lead with a convicted clarity and you can resonate with people because that to me is what actual authenticity and genuineness is. It is that is or isn't, not that should or shouldn't. So how do we do this? You know, last week, we, last week in the episode, we talked about the power of the story is your gift, right? Going through the three milestones or three to five milestones in your life 
and then looking at these experiences and understanding the key decisions that you made, right? We talked about the catalyst. We talked about the decision, the outcome, and the principle. So I encourage you to go take a look at that. It's a powerful, powerful thing. What we're going to do here next is really figure out, are you ready to share a story? Are you ready to express? One of the most important phrases I've heard since being on Clubhouse and being around some incredible you know, thought leaders and people, um, and I've heard my good friend, Megan LaRoque, my business partner as well, and I've heard some other folks say this, and I thought it was a powerful thing. Here's, here's the one leading principle if you're, if you're ready to share a story, right? If you're sharing from the scar, not the wound, it's gonna sound differently than if it's not healed yet. If this story stirs up an emotion that forces you to have an, an intense emotional experience, then we still need to integrate. We still need to do a lot of healing around this. And it's important that we don't share a chapter of our story that hasn't quite been finished. So the whole entire thing here is I'm, I want to help you understand and reconcile this for yourself, to become whole within the self, to be at a place where you can feel incredibly integrated, sovereign in the story before you go out into the world so that you can create emotional resilience, so that you can create so much for yourself before you go out there and unintentionally dump on others, because that can be a huge shadow in our lives. It's the need for the external validation, again, showing up for us, because we're sharing the story and we need something out of it. So we want to be able to share this story in a way that's equitable for you and your audience. This is where we're going to go from learning how the story becomes what happened to you, we are the victim of the story, to what happened, to be able to observe, and then to go into the mastery level, which is being able to share a story in a way that teaches, inspires, and allows people to learn from your principles. This is going to be super helpful in your business, your brand, and your life, I promise. So in this process, I start off with looking at the relationship between you and the audience. I think all communication, rather than talking, starts with a relationship between the receiver and the communicator. And in my view of the world, my framework, it is incumbent, super responsible on the idea of the communicator to control all the variables best, right? So we are responsible for what we put out in the world as creators. And so we always want to make sure that we're in transaction with our audience. And this relationship can only become a relationship once it's equitable. So if you're taking notes on this, the thing I would write down is all relationships are value equals value. That is, that is the equation I use. And value can be different subjectively based upon what people value most. So what I like to look at is on one side, I, st I start with this. As the result of the story, I get blank. And then as a result of the story, they get blank. So what we do in here is it's time to get radically honest. This is where I want to support you and really encourage you to really allow yourself to be a human being for a second, because this is where we're going to kill the idea of being an imposter and a martyr to your business, your life, and your relationships. This is going to be simple, effective, and very powerful. So as a result of the story, here's a couple things that I have found that we uncover after helping thousands of people with this process and myself over and over again. This is about radical honesty, about what you actually want. Instead of going out to the world and saying, I want to change lives, I want to serve many, serve the greatest masses, everything else, then you end up in this relationship where you're not getting anything out of it. Nobody wants to be involved in something. They don't get something out of it, including yourself. I don't care how heart-centered you are. You're going to be burnt out and totally resentful of the process. So how about this? As a result of your story, do you want some kind of new positioning? 
Do you want to be seen as an authority, an expert? Do you want to be respected? Do you want to be seen as somebody that can solve the problem? As a result of the story, do you want attention? Do you want people to pay attention? Do you want them to give you their attention? Which, by the way, is the first transaction we have. It's the most powerful. That's where trust is built. Do you have my attention? I have interest, desire, and then action. The third thing is, let's be honest. Are you telling your story because you want a potential sale? In brand and business, of course we do. On the flip side, as a human being, maybe the sale is a relationship. Maybe it's a romantic partner. You're selling them on your point of view. And that's where we take the ick out of this. We align with what we actually want. We're sharing it. There's no boundary to this. What about emotional wholeness? As you keep sharing your story over and over again, you begin to integrate this part of you and you bring closure to the experience, right? Do you get emotional wholeness out of this experience? What about recognition? You know, we always said that uh, babies cry for it and grown men die for it. Recognition is so powerful because we also want to be recognized on a, on a multitude of levels. We want to get recognized for our efficacy as leaders, as experts. We want to get recognized as our ability to be competent. We want to be recognized as our ability to be just human beings, right? We want to be recognized in the soul way. If we're getting deep with it, we also want that, that, that connection, that dissipation, and that ability to connect soul to soul, right? What about resolution? Goes in line with the idea of emotional wholeness, but there's a resolution in there that every single time we share a story, just like watching a movie multiple times, there's something we pick up on that we never saw before. That resolution can become so powerful. What about credit? What about getting the credit for something? In a world where things are happening so fast on social media and other places, what about credit? I think we all look for some form of credit in what we're doing, right? We want to be known for our ideas and the hard work that we're doing. And then what about the feeling that you get when somebody actually gets the catalyzing feeling that you gave them to take action in the world, right? We all love that idea of, of, of passing on that energy and somebody doing something with it. If you've ever really studied human design, right, our energetic patterns, especially for me as a generator, I give energy. I feel frustrated. I get frustrated, which is my shadow, by the way, the shadow of frustration, when that energy is not received and then commensurately done something with, meaning it is equal to the energy I put into it. And what that does is it creates a bi-directional relationship because I'm giving the energy, they're giving it back to me. And now we have this beautiful pattern. We're manifesting fast, quick, which can be super powerful for a lot of people in, the, in listening to this, this episode, because I know the people who are attracted to this message, here's something that you need to understand. You may have big energy you're pouring into small containers. And those small containers, it's not their fault. They don't know what to do with it. You being aware of the energy that you're giving now means that you have to figure out a way to find those larger containers and spaces, pour into bigger ideas, pour into bigger visions. Super critical. So on one side, as a result of telling the story, I get this. Be honest. It's like when people start a business and I ask them why they started the business, they say, I want to save the whales, save the quails. I want to heal the world. What's in it for you? What do you get out of it? And if you want to change the world, here's an even deeper question. Do you want to change the world because you believe you have a better world in your mind that you want to, you want to have bring to the world? You have a better way of doing it? Or are you doing it because you, don't want to, because you don't want dissonance anymore? You want everything to be like you. It's a different conversation, right? These are, these are real stories, real ideas that are going to help us uncover the unconscious drive, need, and desire within our shadow. The shadow itself 
is our ability to be human. We say, don't be so perfect that you're unrelatable. We might have big pie in the eye, pie in the sky ideas of self-mastery and these big things. And we see it happen in the marketing space where we get ready to write copy for a website. I've gone through this too, so don't, don't let me preach to you. And you find out that your idea is so abstract that people don't even know how to transact with you. And so they don't even know what to do. So what we're going to do here is we're going to learn as a result of the story, how somebody can actually use the relationship with you. So the story is going to go from a billboard of like, look at me, my ego, to how you can serve others, which is why this intense process leads us to resolution, right? So in this first question of what's in it for me, we address the unconscious parts that help us know our motivations and accept them without creating unconscious blockages and challenges of integrity in the future. We are literally making known what they will find out. How far do you want to go with that? We'll talk about how you can really discern that in a second. The second part of this is, as a result of the story, they get this. What do you want them to receive out of your story? How does this become an act of service? I know a lot of people want to inspire people. You have to tell a story in a way that does inspire people, moves them inside out, the spirit within. So as a result of that, your intention is inspiration. That's great. The second part is a catalyst for transformation. The story has to be told in a way that people can see themselves in and they can learn the principles itself, uncovering that shadow, the ability to accept that parts in them, that we all have this. The catalyst for transformation only happens when we answer a serious question, which is the idea of specialness or uniqueness. See, the imposter lives in this thing called specialness. Specialness meaning we, when we hear something, our skepticism naturally says, great for you. You've done it because you're special. There's something special about you. I spent most of my life looking at people like that. Of course, there was something unique about you, whether it was the advantages that you had, where you came from, your ambition, your drive, your genetics. We look at that. We say, yep, can't do it. You did it. You're special. Or they're special. Right? On the flip side of it, I'm special and unique because this just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for people like me. I'm just special. I'm uniquely flawed. I am just uniquely flawed and there's something wrong with me. And so being a catalyst for transformation is being able to tell your story in such a way that people can, again, connect with those three core human stories of life and death, love, spirituality. You can tell that story in a way that tells them about the catalyst, the decision, the outcome, and the principle that they can apply and you bring it down to their level. We serve no one by being in a place where we tell a story so big, so vast, so much about ourselves that people cannot understand functionally what to do with it. It's like dropping a knowledge bomb on somebody and leaving them in the wake of the destruction. You have to teach them how to rebuild the village in order to really get things going again. This is where we go into the idea of, as a result of this story, they see somebody they can connect with achieving and making it possible. This is where it's important to understand the power of the messenger. I can tell the same story over and over again, but if somebody different than me tells the same story down the street, somebody's going to listen differently because they resonate with the messenger, the external validation that allows them to experience that. So if you're telling the story, it's not just, hey, I faced this major difficulty and here I am a multimillionaire now. It is about being able to tell the story. And in my opinion, the powerful is, being able to tell them what happened the moment you had to make the decision and what the very next day looked like. Yeah, you had bankruptcy, you had 
uh, you know, all this debt, things happened. What did you do the very, very next day? For me personally, when I was going through all my shit and I was in the middle of everything, the only thing that I could do was tell myself this one phrase, the next step is this. The next step is this. I became obsessed with the idea of the next step is this. The next step is I'm living with my brother in, in West Texas in the middle of nowhere. My next step is wake up, brush your teeth. What's next? My next step is I got to sit down, open up Craigslist, look for jobs, indeed.com. My next step is, all right, I can get a workout in. It helps me get some kind of organization in my life and still focus on me for a second. Okay, my next step is this. It wasn't a grand you know, 50-year vision of what my life looked like. It was brought down so much to the micro that literally brushing my teeth was the victory for the day because that was the one thing that added some kind of consistency. I needed the consistency, the small win. We all need small wins. Sometimes the day you wake up and you're going through a multi-million dollar merger, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact you're going for the negotiation. It's waking up in the morning and being able to deal with the anxiety of you don't know what the next thing is. So what is the next step? Brush your teeth. What is the next step? Take a shower. What is the next step? Control what you can control. Get the small wins in place and build the momentum. Everybody can do that. We can all brush our teeth. We can all make our bed. We can all do the one thing that helps us get moving. We can all do that, right? Super, super important. The fourth thing that I think is the most important that people do not come to grips with is this. And I hear it happen all the time, especially on Clubhouse and other places. They say, listen, I, I don't want to sell. I feel icky. I feel all these different things. But my question is this. Does your audience understand how to actually transact with you to create value together? And do you understand what they value? Do they want the same things that you value? Imagine this for a second. We talked about what you get out of this. Do you think that your audience would value the same things in return? Do you think they want great positioning to be seen as an expert? Do you think they want attention to be seen, heard, and understood? Do you think they want potential sales? Do you think they want emotional wholeness? What about recognition? What about resolution, respect, and credit? And the feeling of inspiring somebody else. Do you think your audience wants that? It's interesting how much there's a connection point between those two things. Reflected in another is ourselves in the mirror. And so does your audience understand how to transact with you? We take a story that becomes, hey, look at me, to, hey, as a result of this, this is what I've learned, and I want to be able to help you through the entire process, which is why I've created a way to do this, and I want to share it with you. Because, again, you don't want to drop the bomb and leave the village broken. You want to show them a way to help. And so if you understand the transaction occurs before a relationship occurs, because I hear it often in my personal point of view is, if we project this sense that you're, un, uh, you're, you're afraid of transacting, you are then taking your unconscious and shifting it on them. And what will happen is there's gonna be a distance between you and them because they're literally waiting for an opportunity to work with you or do something that you can provide for them, some kind of resource, a tool, something that's there. And because you have that opportunity, it is incumbent upon us to figure out the best way to do that in the integrity of the way that we build our businesses, right? Doing it to serve others and allowing them to actually transact with you is important because what will end up happening otherwise is again, if that value for value equation is not even on either side, resentment, distrust, and challenges will occur. So those two things in that equation, the most powerful thing you can take away from this entire episode is this. As a result, I get this, being radically honest and really dumping down all the things that you want. You know, maybe you do want to be able to have the option to go to Whole Foods to buy your food instead of going to Walmart. I don't know if that's your vibe. I mean, walk into both stores and see which one feels the best to you energetically. 
maybe you want to be able to buy organic food instead of buying, you know, food with pesticides on it. That's your choice. But it's about making your unconscious needs known so that you can be open and honest with these things and embody who you actually are in that moment, right? Being open and transparent creates empathy, by the way, because there are other people out there right now who are listening to self-help and personal development and inspirational content who are also just as lost and want to be recognized as just as lost. And we can be humans with them and share with them how to actually not be lost anymore. Super, super important. So as a result of the story, I get this. As a result of the story, they get this. That begins to create the framework for your ability to understand how to communicate and whether you're ready to share the story. The third part of this and the fourth part of this are going to be pretty cut and dry. And this is where you really discern whether it's time to share this full story. Right? The third question is this, very practical. I ask people this, which is what obstacles stand in the way of you telling the full story? And this is where you dive into the idea of you might be under NDAs, non-disclosure agreements that you can't share certain parts of your story. Makes sense, right? You might have worked with a client, done something else. You want to honor that. That's called being a smart diplomatic business person. Totally your choice. The second part of this is previous clients and relationships. Does somebody get hurt as a result of you sharing a story? You have to work with this and understand how you share the story. Are you making somebody else the villain without truly understanding how to position them and have that story? Putting people into your story also can be a difficult thing because if they don't understand or know why, then you could have reputational challenges. That's another big thing. Now we're talking about in business brand and in your media. So I think it's super important for you to understand how that plays out. The next piece is how much separation and risk are you willing to take in sharing your story? This is where you start diving into many stories that are incredibly powerful come from a place of deep, deep trauma or darkness that was healed as a result of the experience. And you could be in a place where you're talking about things like community beliefs, religious beliefs. And again, when you take this idea of separation, what we're talking about is how much separation are you willing to take away from these things? You might end up in a place where you are unintentionally separating yourself from family, friends, other people that you've had relationships with. So that's why I think it's important when we start talking about full expression and being fully expressed, be responsible, be intentional with the stories that you tell, because that way you can know what's on the other side of telling that story. It allows us to know what the future beyond this looks like so that we can have the experience of understanding, was it worth it? Is it worth it to share the story? And the next thing that I think is so important, and the final step here is, who is your actual audience? Who is the actual audience for the story, right? This is where we start getting into being an expert, a professional in this process. This is, I, I make this sound easy in a one podcast episode, but this is a lifelong journey of expertise, in my opinion. This is what Malcolm Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours. This is where you put the time in and the effort to be able to craft and shape and understand. But at least now we have frameworks to do this. And when it comes to your audience, I think of three different types of stories. Think of your founder story, your superpower story, and your redemption story. I won't go super in depth in these today. We'll go to those in future episodes. But essentially, your founder story is a great way for you to communicate why you started what you started as a business. You as the founder, the vision that you had. What does the world look like when you solve the problem that you saw in your mind? What inspires you to solve that problem? And how are you using your company, your business, your brands to help others do so? Now, the founder story typically is, is a very professional type story in the very beginning because 
in the beginning, people need to know how to transact with you, then build a relationship. You have to sell people what they want and give them what they need, in my opinion. And in order for them to trust them, you have to meet them where, where they are, solve the problem that they have, and then they'll be open to trust. Super crucial. As a founder, I think it's important to understand how to tell that story in a vision very succinctly, very directly, and be able to share that story so people are inspired, but also know how to transact with you. Whether it's investors or cultural co-founders, as we call them before, the people who are going to help develop your business, your brands, and spread the message. It has to be compact enough for them and to make it less about you and more about them and the world that you see. The second one is your superpower story, right? Superpower stories, I think we all understand the archetype of the hero's journey, you know, the antagonist, protagonist, the climax, what, what resolved all of that. But learning how you found what your superpower was, your zone of genius, how did you find your superpower? And then what are you doing with it? I think it's a very, very good story to be able to tell and to be able to tell it in a way that allows people to be inspired to find their own superpower as well and to give them some principles that will help serve them. And the final story I find is the redemption story. Understanding a part of your life when you are ready to tell it, again, from the scar, not the wound, being able to share a redemption story about a time in your life where, listen, we've all screwed up. We've all made mistakes and we should continue to really reflect on the mistakes that we make because we're, we're human beings. And in my opinion, as a good friend of mine once said, if you have a mission to change the world, you're going to break shit in the process because you're moving fast. And so it's important to know what your redemption story is. So your redemption story is all about what you've done to correct mistakes of the past. So there's three stories, a founder story, super power story, and redemption story. So as we reflect back on this entire process, as you can tell by now three episodes in, I don't hold back, spend my time really trying to find practical ways to help people solve these, these problems, these what we, call, what we think are very large, abstract, esoteric problems. Imagine the personal freedom you have when you don't need to perception manage or change the way people see you or you're aware of it and you can remove that need for it. You don't have to manage different stories that you've told or have to worry about what people are going to find out when they dive in. You're removing yourself off the pedestal. You're humanizing yourself. We are moving into a day and age in which we no longer, as Kyle says, want the guru on the mountain. We want the people amongst us. There are people out there who have a, a vision and a mission and a gift to teach. And now it's time to learn how to do that and also do it in a way that allows them to create financial security and allows them to do it in a way that's embodied and totally in integrity that is or isn't, not should or shouldn't, right? We don't should ourselves to death. And the third thing is being able to know and recognize when our shadow shows up, this unconscious drive, the fact that we all have it. And when you step out there and share, it allows others to do the same. Because when we understand what's in it for us and we understand what's in it for them, and we're doing it from that framework and we're sharing our story from that framework, that's when we start to actually create that connection point between us as humanity, as human beings, no longer being perfect, being relatable, being able to be connected. It's no longer a manufactured authenticity because I know what I know and I'm willing to share it all. In addition, in a world where so many people are fearful of creating because they're worried about the rejection, the separation from our community, now we are able to understand how we can create that sense of safety and security within ourselves, that no matter what, we understand community and relationship first starts with self. That is the true communion, the true community first. And that makes you very, very powerful. And it also makes you very, very independent and to show up very potently. Because again, powerful is the man or woman who can dance with their shadow and emerge with their heart wide open to the light. 
that integration of that shadow piece, the parts of us is what's going to create wholeness and allow ourselves to lead from that place of connection in our lives, businesses, and brands. This has been a great episode. It's one of my favorite topics. I do my best to try to make this as clear as possible, but again, I'm still very, very new to this process. So feedback is definitely welcomed. If you want to connect with us, you can email us questions. Um, you can email me at chris at intentionalmediagroup.com. We'd love to hear it from you. Members of the Intentional Collective, which is live. These are members of our community. These episodes go live and the raw footage go in there first before it goes out to any social media platforms and to the podcast platforms. It allows you to go through, find the areas and the pieces that you loved most, get your notes as well. Help us know what you loved. And we'll actually post up your comments and everything in our social media channels. So if you're looking for that, along with coaching support and guidance, the Intentional Collective is where we're supporting incredible visionaries, conscious entrepreneurs, and creatives. We'd love to have you there. You can learn more at intentionalconnector.com. And then, of course, you can follow us on Instagram at The Intentional Connector. You can also follow us on Clubhouse as well. We would love to have you there. So until next time, remember, the beautiful life that you desire is not a matter of chance. It is a matter of intention. And I hope to see you soon. Take care. This has been another episode of The Connection Point. And if you want to support us, then you can do it in the following ways. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Like, comment, and share this with someone who needs to hear it. And connect with us on all social channels. And if something moved you in this episode, then join us in the Intentional Collective, a private community where we take the conversation deeper while providing coaching, guidance, and support, all at theintentionalcollective.com. We look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, we believe in you and your mission and can't wait to hear more.